welcome back into hour three of RSVP with Jill Monroe here on KBLA Talk 1580. Listen, we had to let that something for the people ride. That was a nice song. Weren't they from the Bay? I feel like the producers, not the singers, I feel like the singers were named Trina and something. I think. That's just me off the top of my head. Fahima's like, Jill, that must be your jam. Um, I, It's my jam, too. It was, talking about? <laughs> yeah, listen, it was a surprise. Andy picks out all the music for the show. So I am like you guys waiting to hear what we're going to get into. But if it's a good song, it's a good song. And sometimes we got to rock it out. We got to just let the vibes kick in. I enjoy good music and I always like having a good time. So shout out to that. Fun fact. Yes. It's one of my karaoke songs. Really? Yes. Do you want to know what my karaoke song is? I felt like you shared it before. Oh, yeah. But I don't remember. But go ahead. Remind me. So, you know, I'm a rapper. (laughs) Tupac. Snoop Dogg, what's my name? Okay. Okay. All right. (laughs) That is my karaoke go-to. Tap in Monday. Tap in Monday. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. We're going to have RSVP karaoke jumping off. You know what I'm saying? I might play some Snoop. We'll see. We'll see how I feel Monday. Forensic accountant, shout out to you. Yes, see, I knew it was Trina something. Trina Powell, Jesse Powell's sister. I knew that. I knew that. I couldn't remember. Um, I knew her name was Trina, and I knew she was related to somebody. That is right. Thank you for that. Man, rest in peace to Jesse Powell. Though. Right. Because you was a G- Still is. Amazing song. You know, it's it's. you think about sometimes those artists that perhaps maybe came out in the wrong time period just you know in the 90s you had to do incredible things to get put on and stay put on as far as what the labels were going to do how much money they were going to throw after you it, it's a little easier I'm not going to say all the way because obviously there's more people in the actual field now because of the internet but because some of the gate are down because you can get music directly to the consumer now there are some artists you think about or some of the songs they put out or some of the things that you know probably could have had an extended career or a better career just because of the way that we are able to consume music and access it at this point in time so no, and he's one of them. Shout out to that. Um, let's see what else. Um, forensic accountant says peace to Harvey Fuqua and New Birth um, Church. Do um, is that what something for the people? Is that some of their people? <laughs> and that's how we got into all of that. I'm not sure, but let us know, forensic accountant, because you always you're pretty good. You always got the insight, and we appreciate that. I just want to know if forensic accountant was like in the industry or whatnot. I feel like low key, huh? He low key said something about that he's helped some celebrities and people of that ilk, wealthy people, get out of some financial situations. Uh, with his forensic accounting type mm-hmm, stuff. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I, I think so. I suspect forensic accountant has some stories. You got to call in one day, forensic. Hey, forensic, if you got a podcast, man, let us know. You know what I'm saying? We're trying to hear your stories. I know. Or call in one day and share them with us. I know that you got some because you're pretty good. You, you, you know, you are tapping in and we appreciate that. New birth is a sample. Oh, the new birth sample. Okay. Okay. Well, listen, you got, listen, <laughs> I, I, the song, that's an old school song from the seventies, right? Um, the art, their group, 
right? Okay, yes. Wildflower, that's the name of the sample. I can't think of it. Ooh, child, things. Yep, okay. Got you, got you, got you. All right. I appreciate that, Urban Spencer said. Not church. All right. Well, listen, when we come forward, we're going to get into more trending topics and headlines. We're going to tell you about this Facebook DEI executive who um, managed to steal $4 million from the company while she was there. I'm going to tell you how she did it. We're also going to talk a little Basketball Wives, British Williams. You know, she was sentenced to six years in jail for financial crimes, but she says that it didn't go down exactly the way that people believe it did. So we're going to get into that. And of course, download the app because we have something special coming to you that won't be available on YouTube, but it'll only be available live on air and on the app. So all of that and more on the other side, you are locked into RSVP with Jill Monroe here on KBLA Talk 1580. Hey. Keeping you informed, entertained, and always ahead of the curve. Ahead of the curve. Hey. This is RSVP with Jill Monroe on KBLA Talk 1580. 1580. You were locked into RSVP with Jill Monroe here on KBLA Talk 1580. So in the chat, like I said, it's always lit. Forensic accountant says, true story, my karaoke song is Let's Get It On. And I was offered a record deal in 1994 after a label owner saw me performing it in Phoenix at the Century Sky Room while on vacation. Well, aren't you just full of secrets and exciting tales? Okay, bring it in there. Listen, that though, seriously, you know, off topic. One of the greatest love songs of all. Why? That's not a love song. That is a, um, a bedroom song. But... You know, there's love in that too, but I think it's one of them at all times. Like, how many songs where you just hear the opening notes and people are automatically thinking sex and romance? Just as soon as you hear it, that's the breakdown that you get. I think that's fantastic. What? What? Do you have another song like that? One twelve anywhere. When you hear that, boom, 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 boom. True. Boom. See, I, but I don't think a sex, I think that's like time to turn up. I think a stripper poles and spin outs, you know, uh, I think it's a different feeling, different vibe. Well, you one know, is you, public, one is private. Well, you know, you're a woman. <laughs> I'm a guy. So, you know. I mean, same thing. But listen, anywhere is my jam. And, and I'm going to say something controversial, <laughs> or at least might have you questioning my music taste, but you guys already know it's um, so solid. So I can say this without judgment. Lil Zane's verse on that one, it was fire on anywhere on the 112 thing. That's not controversial. I, I just said, well, listen, because. You know how many people rap to that? I'm. People be like, yo, we're too hot to talk. <laughs> for the bedroom to the flow. To the t- <laughs> when I'm a the only criticism he got was that people was like, yo, he's trying to act like Pac. Okay. Or or his, his flow. Okay. It was very similar to Pac. But then I was like, yo, Pac had just died at the time. I could understand anybody who was rapping. Looking up to Pac, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. But Lil Zane, he did his thing. Yeah, he did. I, I don't know about any other songs, but um, that was a moment. See how you can be hot fire in a moment, just like flame, white hot. And then that's it. Um, Best stripper song, Munchies for Your Love by Bootsy's Rubber Band. 
Munchies for Your Love is a bomb song. I personally like Joy's rendition and flip on it. She did it a thing. But, um, you know, we can talk for days. Maybe, I don't know. Well, maybe one day that could be a subject for our, our late night hour. You know, top stripper songs, top thing. We'll, we'll, we'll come up with a top five list. We'll have a vote on it. Sounds like a plan. Adina Howard t-shirt of my panties. Yeah, facts. And uh, Sierra, uh, what is it, Promise? No, Body Party. No. No? Promise. Promise? Yeah, I believe in that video. She's the one she sounds like. It, it's a Prince sounding song. It sounds like it could be mm-hmm. she, She's like, in the, in the music video, there's just a chair. Mm-hmm. And she just, you know, doing her thing. Doing her thing, thing. yeah. I remember that. That's a good one. That's a good one. Okay. that That's an idea for a list. We like lists here. We like to get into that. Okay. I really want to share with you this story about the former Facebook DEI executive. Her name is Barbara Furlow Smiles. And she admitted to stealing over $4 million in this elaborate scheme. So basically she was using the money to fund her lavish lifestyle living in between California and Georgia, i.e. L.A. and ATL, right? She led various Facebook diversity, equity, and inclusion programs from 2017 through mid-2021. She stole money, and basically how she did it was, and listen, the thing about this is it's not like she was doing anything hecka elaborate or anything like that i just don't know why people don't think that they're gonna get caught with their company i understand you know the internal process but you really think that no one's going to track this stuff back so this is essentially what she was doing her schemes involve fraudulent vendors fictitious charges and cash kickbacks right so basically she would use Meta to pay people for goods and services that were never actually taking place, right? So the basics, she and then she would have individuals give her the kickbacks. So let's say I hired you, forensic accountant, to be my accountant, but there is nothing for you to accountant, but your rate was $5,000 an hour, and for your trouble, I give you $1,000 and you give me the four. That's the type of things that she was doing, right? Um, she said that the individuals that she included in the scheme, and this is why she probably got in trouble too, friends, relatives, former interns from prior jobs, nannies, babysitters, hairstylists, and her tutor from her college. These are the people that she employed in her scheme. Too many people bound to fail. And in some instances, she had Facebook pay people who didn't give her kickbacks. Like in one case, she gave um, directed $10,000 payment to an artist for specialty portraits and more than $18,000 to a preschool tuition. Um, that sounds like personal for her and her family. She, as part of the scheme, she linked PayPal, Venmo, and Cash App accounts to her Facebook credit cards and used those accounts to pay her friends, relatives, and other associates for the goods and services. Like, all of this on your public stuff, this wasn't a young woman. She was 38 years old at the time that this was happening. She pled guilty in federal report, in court, excuse me, on in Atlanta on Monday. It's not like 
they were going to have to work hard to figure this out or find you. She's going to be sentenced in March of 2024. Right now, she is out on a $5,000 bond. A spokesperson for Meta said that they are cooperating with law enforcement on this case and will continue to do so. Again, why would you think that you could get away with something like that? It's so simple. It's so easy to track back. And you're paying your people, personal people, right? Forensic accountant says, now you're speaking my language. Financial crime fighting is my life. Using her stupid friends. Hint, if you have a banking relationship, I don't care if it's a crime or if it's chime or the old rush card, you can be tracked and caught. And that seems like common sense to me, especially in the digital age. I feel like... Crime, in some ways, there may be easier to get to certain things, but it's also easier to get caught. It's harder to shake off a digital footprint. It doesn't just roll like that. I don't know. You guys are taking real, real risk with money that require real, real jail time. It, it's not worth it to me. My freedom means a lot to me. I don't understand the scams. Fahima asks, is she the reason there is all this all-out attack on DEI? Um, I, <laughs> I know you're being funny, but I obviously we think, believe that part of that is um, from the racial reckoning of 2020. But I think when people hear stories like this, they will use it as a sticking point, as an example of, see, this is why, see, this is the type of stuff they do. See, this is a criminal and she's paying for nannies. What is she doing? You know, so I don't know. While I don't think it is one of them, I think that it is definitely something that will be pointed to as a way to validate why these things shouldn't happen to begin with. Um. So listen, let me tell you this now before we go into this next story. This is just a reminder that we have coming up interviews with Sterling K. Brown and Jeffrey Wright from American Fiction. The film is fantastic, by the way. You guys should definitely check it out. And I'm sure you're going to want to after you hear the conversation that we had with them. Also with the stars of The Color Purple, Taraji P. Henson, Fantasia Barino, and Danielle Brooks. And then on the reality TV show end, we have Letitia Lunsford from Married to Medicine, Sweet Tea. So make sure while we're talking about these other stories that you download the app because it won't be available here on YouTube. It's audio only. But I don't want you to miss it. And you are going to want to see or rather hear these conversations. So there we go. Shout out to Adam in the chat for coming to tap in. We always appreciate that. So let me share this story since we're talking about financial crimes and that nature, things underneath that. I'm not sure if you checked out Basketball Wives. It's a show on VH1 that features the ex-significant others of professional basketball players, some of them in the NBA, some of them, you know, they've now added a WNBA player to the mix. And they've had overseas players at various points. So one of the wives from the show was a woman named British Williams. And she was recently convicted for scamming, basically. She had an online boutique. And she was accused of 
basically utilizing someone else's social security numbers for some activities. Again, I do not understand you people that play around with bank accounts and social, 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 social security numbers and all of that type of illegal play. The scammers, I don't believe in it. I I think it's too easy to trace back. And I think that limited time on that good ride. Of course, it's like that with a lot of crimes, but that one especially considering where we are. So British Williams is going to spend the next four years in federal prison after being convicted on tax fraud, bank fraud, and PPP loan fraud. She said that her troubles began after she received insurance money from her father's death, and she used the cash to repair her credit after she lost tens of thousands of dollars to her reported gambling addiction, right? She says she sought help from a financial advisor who sold her an illegal credit privacy number, which are CPM. Scammers frequently utilize these numbers. You know, they talk people into believing that these nine-digit numbers are the same as a social security number. Basically, um, you know, it's fraud. <laughs> it's illegal. And common sense says can't be that easy, right? It's not. So she says that people believe she went and stole customers' social security numbers from her clients. She's saying that that's not the case. She said she bought a CPN from a credit lady. I mean, first thing, sorry, spoiler alert, people that claim to fix your credit, probably not really going to happen. That doesn't really work like that. But that's a conversation for another day. And for an expert, we'll just say that I wouldn't advise you to take that route. But at any rate, she says she wasn't the case. She wasn't stealing Social Security numbers, that she bought a CPN from a credit lady. She didn't know that it was someone's actual Social Security number or if it was something that they created. She's unsure. But, you know, that's what happened. And it was not that she was legitimately scamming. I don't know about that story, but that's what she's saying. So she pled guilty to 15 felony cases, and she was indicted in 2021 on federal fraud and identity theft charges. And she will begin serving her sentence in January. So um, good luck to that, girlfriend. I hope that um, it all works out for you. I hope that you have gotten a hold of that gambling addiction. And um, federal time... First of all, we always talk about, what is it, 95 98% their conviction rate. So if the feds have you, you're a done deal. And generally, there is no release for good behavior with fed time. You pretty much are going to take that whole ride. So I hope that, um you know, she has a strong support system because women oftentimes, when they end up incarcerated, are forgotten about in ways that male prisoners are not. So, you know, God forgives. Maybe the people who you hit will. But I do wish her the best of luck in that she has a young child. And, um, you know, that's sad. So Forensic Accountant says, I heard that the state of California has beef with Bank of America because Bank of America kept closing out unemployment debit cards due to the cardholders having engaged in past financial crimes. That's probably likely true, probably made it complicated. Um, That whole PPP thing, 
um, unemployment with the debit system, that was kind of a nightmare. And, um, you know, obviously a global pandemic sets things up to go in a different direction. But I'm sure the banking system, the financial system, all of them learned a lot of things from that experience. Listen, like I told you, download the app now, now, right now. Go to the website also, KBLA 1580. You can listen live there. Okay. We have interviews coming up, as I said, with Jeffrey Wright and Sterling K. Brown from American Fiction. You're going to want to hear that. Fantasia Barino, Taraji P. Henson, and Danielle Brooks from The Color Purple and our reality TV show tip. Um, it is my Friday. After that, you know, you guys will be hearing the best of KBLA, but we'll get to that down the line. Lock in, download the app. Clock in on the website, listen live on the radio. I appreciate you, VIPs. Have an amazing rest of your night as you listen to these vibes. And when we come forward, interviews. And otherwise, I'll catch you guys next week. Thank you. You are locked in to RSVP with Jill Monroe here on KBLA Talk 1580. So we have a group of interviews coming up for you. First up is Sterling K. Brown and Jeffrey Wright. They are starring in the new film, American Fiction. After that, we're going to have Taraji P. Henson, Fantasia Barino, and Danielle Brooks of The Color Purple. And then after that, we're going to get in our reality TV bag and we're going to talk to Letitia Lunsford of Married to Medicine season 10. So I really enjoyed the film. And one of the things that I enjoyed most kind of piggybacking off what we were talking about is the idea that sometimes we have to face the truth that we as a culture like the things that we also have a problem with or Mm. could be detrimental to us. And I like the balance of walking through that. What are your thoughts as working on this film of that kind of dichotomy of we do want better and we do want to see other stories, but we really sometimes like these kind of stories that might be considered degenerative or whatever adjective you want to insert? Sure, sure. You know, I think obviously this issue doesn't only relate to to film or to literature, uh, you know, it's a, a wider issue in, among pop culture and messaging. And mm-hmm. I, if I look at music, for example, music is no longer just about music anymore. It's also about performance and persona and all of that. I think sometimes if I look through that lens, we have a tendency to kind of embrace our limitations as empowering us. Um, and I, I, do, I do wonder if we need to expand um, expand uh into embracing something and this goes to monk's argument that is independent of the pressures independence independent of the the boot that we at times feel on our neck Mm -hmm. um what i see often that kind of concerns me is is not solely the narratives that are told necessarily but the repetitiveness, particularly in 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 music, of um, the lack of originality mm-hmm. that every sound is the same, mm-hmm. yeah, that this portrait of masculinity has to be poisonous and toxic in order for it to be valid. 
that and it's repeated and the language is repeated and the and and the beats even are repeated ad nauseum to the point where I can't distinguish anyone else, anyone from any other, uh, any anyone sound from anyone anyone else's. And it's not what it is. It's just that I hear the same thing <laughs> repeatedly. Yeah. And it's the absence of creativity and originality, which is what in the beginning of our creation of you know culture in this country was yeah. was what differentiated us. That was our power. Yeah. That we were unexpected. That we were creating something out of nothing. That we were doing things that had not existed before. And clearly, this form of, uh, of modern American music hadn't. But it seems to me we've gotten bogged down in a type of conformity. That's 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 weird to me. And the conformity in and of, in and of itself is a limitation. And then the role that we play within it is one of uh, of, uh, of 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 someone who's celebrating. Um, and embracing uh, a type of hopelessness, hmm. and th- and that uh, that 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 does concern me. That we do internalize the pressures to the extent where we we can we can start to imprison ourselves. I will say this: I think that there's a great deal of pride that I take in the achievement of Black people in this country, in spite of like a system of support that has encouraged or wanted them to achieve, right? I think I also am learning to expand that that pride from just, not just people who've achieved in spite of, but now people who achieve because of, right? That, that we get a chance to stand on the shoulders of those who come before us and that there are people who have been elevated that they didn't, their starting point has a little bit different. Not everybody, but some of us, right? You were talking about music, and you made me think about um, Three Stacks' new album, Andre 3000's mm. new album, which nobody was like, Three Stacks ain't going to drop no bars. Right. But the album's pretty good. Right. <laughs> the album is funky and strange and delightful. And like, yo, Three Stacks gave me the flute album that I didn't know I needed in my life there right was, now. There was even early resistance. Why? Sure. And, and, well, because and I rejected the idea that, that he point, could. To that point, I think we also have to learn how to expand our definition of blackness. Because I think 30 years ago, it would have been very easy for us to say certain stories, certain kinds of music fall within the realm of quote unquote white people shit. Right? And that that's a sort of narrowing thing, meaning that if you do that, then your blackness could possibly be taken away. And I think that we're learning as a society, as a culture that like it's too narrow. But here's the message Go. in that instance. Go. And here's the one that I think I'm referring to. The message is hmm. even you as an artist cannot be free. And it's it's a type of madness. Mm. You have to be confined to this. Mm-hmm. This is hip. This represents us. This is this is your credibility lies in your conformity. That's weird to me. It's weird to me. I think there's a yes and. I think there's a way that you can be rooted in your community and sure. not be defined. Sure, but I'm, I'm and right. I'm talking specifically uh, uh, relative to Dre. Yeah, let that man play his music. <laughs> and sure, and and frankly, uh, 
how is it your uh, issue right. that this man picks up and plays the flute? But right. but somehow, uh, you know, uh, some well, that's another issue. The, the 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 question of the democratization of opinion, where yeah. everyone, everybody has and who opinion. gets to decide what but, is. But and... yeah, man, I mean, I thought that was just the most beautiful, like needed, like breath of oxygen into the room. Right. Do your thing. Yeah. Period. And we're learning, I think we're just talking about we're learning how to give each other the space to be Black, however it manifests within us. I think the only way to not be Black is to be anti-Black and Black. But those are the only folks that hurt my soul. Straight up. Up next, a conversation with the stars of the new musical, The Color Purple, Taraji P. Henson, Fantasia Barino, and Danielle Brooks. So... For me, I immediately noticed the parallels as an adult that I didn't notice as a child. And in this particular version with the current struggles of some women, for example, with Shug, I related her to video vixens, internet vixens, and some of the things that they're judged by. And along down the line with Sophia and her strength and the pushback, and of course, Celie and the things. So I wanted to know from you, what did you connect your characters to in current culture that Black women are dealing with and going through? I connected it with what I was going through at the time and what I'm starting to see my 22-year-old daughter go through. And um, a lot of our women, our younger women that we follow or see on the gram or that we meet um, crossing paths out here, um, you know, I, I, I just totally stepped into my with myself and what I was dealing with that, for me. Um, for me, Suge was the cookie of the 1920s. You know, she was bold. She lived her life unapologetically. She didn't care what you called her. Um, she lived her life bold, out in the open, and, um, you know, um, that's why I don't like cancel culture. That's why I don't like throwing stones, because we all live in, in glass houses. And how you going to know the stove is hot if you don't touch it? You got to learn from your mistakes. You know, we're all human. This is a story about, uh, you know, about humanity. So, um, you know, people judged her, but she was the change maker. She was the one that came to town and allowed people to dream. Ho or no ho. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, same. Um, Sophia is definitely a woman of her t before her time as well. Mm -hmm. And I think of women who organized to start the Me Too movement. Mm -hmm. I think of Stacey Abrams, mm -hmm. um, even like Michelle Obama, just women that are really ahead of their time and change makers. And, and so, um, yeah, I think that's what she represents for this generation. Uh, yeah. I think, you know, for Celie, she was always observing and watching Sophia, you know, yeah. and I really believe that when Sophia had her turnaround moment and was um, feeling her soul diminishing, um, it was the uplifting of Celie coming and checking in on her every day and um, checking in on her children and, and keeping her reminded of um, the people that she loved during those six years of her being in prison. 
And so I think that they both helped each other come into their uh, rebirth and become the women that they are by loving each other into that through um, showing each other their own power. Yeah. I couldn't have been what I was for Sophia in that prison scene without Sophia showing me how to be so. That's right. Mm -hmm. And it's so interesting. Sorry. No, go ahead. No, I It's so interesting how Blitz um, uh, purposefully had, of course, Sophia saying hell no, but but put in there Seely singing hell no too when she after she comes and leaves Sophia in the yeah. jail mm-hmm. because that's the first inst- uh, moment glimpse of Seely really coming into her power. Mm. You were tapped into RSVP with Jill Monroe here on KBLA Talk fifteen eighty. Up next, a conversation with Married to Medicine's Letitia Sweet Tea Lunsford. We get into all the drama of season 10. You don't want to miss this. So starting right off, has this experience been what you expected? No. <laughs> it has not been what I expected. I didn't think things would go so crazy the way it had been. Like I was expecting that the ladies are work gonna you know welcome me with open arms which some did however some switched up on me you know what I'm saying so that was kind of shocking for me that was you know it actually was hard so let me ask you were you a fan before you joined the show had you watched any of the seasons or just kind of peeked in and out I kind of peeped in and out like I the show has been on for 10 years so I knew just enough you know from things popping up on my Instagram feed uh stuff that's popped up on YouTube and or on my Google um, my Google feed so I knew enough of the women like at least their names and um I remember um an article popped up of Gregory you know getting a divorce so maybe a back in like 2018 or something like that. And um, I didn't reach out to Gregory until 2020. So, um, and it was the best decision of my life. Congratulations on the wedding, of course. But I'm curious, you say that you were surprised that the ladies weren't kinder to you. Did you think that their friendship with Quad maybe wasn't as solid or you thought that they could be adult enough to put some separation between the two. I definitely thought that they were adult enough to put the separation between the two because I had no problems with them being friends with her because I understand that they have history. Um, it just made sense because Gregory still speaks to their husbands. Um, he plays gospel with Cecil and Curtis. So I thought that that um, that relationship, building that relationship would be natural. Um, and also, like with Quad, she, you know, she's Gregory's ex-wife. You know, I I just, I knew that there was some type of relationship, but I was sensing that the ladies were probably not in a good space with her. Okay, that's fair. So, of course, we've heard some of the mentioned, you know, gold digger or opportunist comments. How do you feel about that? And do you think that it's just kind of, you know, good stuff for reality TV? Or do you think that they're being serious when they throw those barbs? I think it's just good stuff for reality TV because I am a veteran. I am one of many, well, not many women that I'm in the top 10% that makes six figures already. So I just think that, you know, 
it was just good for TV. I know who I am. You know, I, you know, served in, I served my country. I went to school, I have a bachelor's degree. Um, I worked in the intelligence community for a while. Like, it's not like I've been sitting on my ass and waiting for a man to come get me. But did it, when, did it come get me? Yes. And I'm, I'm good. <laughs> you know, I'm good now, but I am also still working, you know, still working while hanging out with this group. So you talked a little bit about your parents and their feelings about you dating a man that was a little bit older, you know, in their age group. But you also mentioned that you had dated over older previously. So did they have the same type of reaction for those situations or was it just that because he um, in age is so close to them, they kind of reacted differently? They reacted similar to uh, previous um, relationships that I had, but because um, at the time I was 29, dating men my age, a lot of men my age are not ready to settle down. They're not, you know, they're not looking for that at all. So, and, you know, as a woman, my biological clock is ticking. I want a man that has those traditional values. And I found that in older men, you know, I think there's a benefit for the both of us um, when dating older men. You know, a lot of men, a lot of older men, they're ready to settle down. They're ready to love. Um, some, some even are open to have kids. And um, I think that it's like a win-win situation. I bring a lot to the table with my benefits, you know, things that I have. And also my youth, my excitement, um, you know, I have that instead that instinct where, you know, I don't mind catering to a man. Like I love, I, I want, I love family. I love catering to other people. So I just thought that, you know what, that fit me more. So in thinking of it, Phaedra, who is a good friend of your husband said that she's never seen him happier or more at peace than he is with you. So hearing that, I know that had to make you feel good, but on the other hand, there was the situation with her bringing Quad to your bachelorette party. So again, I ask, what are your thoughts on Phaedra? Do you think she's playing both sides or how do you feel about that situation? I think Phaedra is definitely playing both sides. Um, I think she had a relationship prior to me coming along with, with Quad. I'm not sure if it was close. I'm not sure if it was authentic or not, but she has stated that her loyalty more so lies with Gregory. And um, I did hear her say that, you know, she invited Quad because she wanted to make sure there was nothing, you know, going on or any type of negative thoughts with Gregory going into his new marriage with his ex-wife or or me, any insecurities. But, you know, you know, Quad, like she I don't know her. She doesn't know me. You know, she's the past. I am the present. You know what I'm saying? There's no there was no reason to bring her to the bachelor, the paper party. So kind of along those lines. Was there any concern about bringing your family into this reality show world on top of your entering into a new marriage and a new space with these people? How did you sort of navigate that? And do you feel like it went as best as it could under the circumstances? I think it definitely went as best it could under the circumstances. I think my family was a little nervous for me and some had doubts like, oh, you know, maybe this is not the best um for you because you're such a good person you know you being on the public you know you my parents don't want to see me hurt and you know I don't want to see them hurt 
So it's it's been a up and down process, but I will say that my family's been nothing more than supportive um, to, you know, with me going through this. And, um, you know, they're a little sensitive at times and I'm just like, just don't watch it. <laughs> just don't watch it. <laughs> so we have to talk about Dr. Heavenly. What... <laughs> Just what are your thoughts currently? What initially were there and how are you feeling right now? Um, Initially, I was really cool with Heavenly. She reached out to me. She wanted me, me to be a part of this group. Um, she was very adamant about that, um, her along with Dr. Jackie. But like her specifically, she really worked hard to try to get me a part of this friend group. And um, she called me. We went to lunch. She knew that I was new to Atlanta, um, didn't have a lot of family here or friends. And, you know, I gravitated towards her, you know, she was talking to me about business and I did not know that she was talking about me behind my back with, um, my other castmates. You know, I didn't know that until the Pember party, my maid of honor, let me know what she said, that she really wasn't supportive of the relationship. Um, where we stand now, um, we don't have a relationship. I don't really, I barely even bring her up. Like if I have to go live and someone asks asks me about her, but I'm like disappointed in her. I think she's nasty. I think she's vile. And I think that karma will come knocking at her door. Okay. Fair. (laughs) um, In coming into this experience, right? It hasn't quite been what you envisioned it to be, but it has been enjoyable, I would hope. So moving forward, what do you hope to, you know, get out of it and for the fans to experience as far as you and seeing this side of your relationship um, sort of open up? What I'm hoping is to at least touch somebody. Somebody can see my story and relate to it and take it and maybe take it, take it as they, as they can. And, um, I'm hoping that they see that I'm a regular girl, just like they are, and that you can exist in these groups. You know, there's always room for growth. You know, it's possible. I'm just, you know, I'm, yeah, I am a girl from Texas that pulled herself by her own bootstraps and I worked my way up to the top. Um, as far as in my career. And then I was ready to settle down and, I found the man that I wanted and I got him. And I think that I want women to know, like, don't allow other people to tell you that you can't do something because you absolutely, you can. So I'm hoping to reach out to any regular girl, whoever you feel that you're regular. Hey, I'm, 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 a, I'm a regular girl, you know, and whatever you want in life, you can get it. I don't give a damn what nobody tell you. So, you know, I just, I hope I can reach those type of women. Okay. And so, you know, we still have quite a bit of season left for us. So what can fans, you know, no spoilers, but if you want to, girl, no, I'm just like, <laughs> what can fans expect for the rest of the season from you and your journey? Um, I'm just going to say that I am a Gemini and I'm not always sweet and I'm not a pushover. And, you know, a person can only take so much. And just know when you stir that tea, it's going to be hot. Okay. Oh, hot tea. Okay. <laughs> it's going to be hot. Thanks, VIPs, for clocking in to RSVP with Jill Monroe here on KBLA Talk 1580. On the other side, the best of KBLA.